welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Pray with me for a moment and we'll come around the Word of God. Uh, Father, we thank You for Your Word, for all the good things that we have in our life and and friends and and church life and family and Christmas and food and festivities. But Lord, we, we look to You and Your Word. You've spoken to us. We can attend to it, apply it, take a hold of it, eat it, feed our soul with it and run with it. And as we heard earlier, we can find the path that you have for us when we look at your word. And I pray you'd help us all to do that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, uh, thank you, brother. Oh, of course it is too. How could I forget? You know, it's tough. People say, um, you know, oh, I get my birthday on you know, the day before Christmas or, you know, and they don't get any presents. Well, there is someone here who has to have his birthday on New Year's Eve, but they have fireworks to celebrate him every year. So it's Craig Dewar's birthday. Just give him a clap. Yeah. So fireworks everywhere tonight, wherever you go. We're all celebrating. All right. Thank you, Frosty. Can I get back to the Bible now? Right. Good. Because um, uh, Craig's a scary guy. I, I, I wouldn't want to have upset him and all that. He does this, you know, Israeli martial arts but, frightening. and uh, So uh, I want to read a scripture to you. Uh, you know, we've used this theme, look, I will bring gold. That's actually a scripture. It's from Isaiah 60. But if we back up and look at Isaiah 59, we'll get a bit of context for what this means. This is God speaking, by the way, I will bring gold is God speaking. Prophetic word, which we'll get to. But if you look at Isaiah 59, this is written many hundreds of years before Jesus came, as you may know, a prophecy. And it says, the Redeemer will come to Jerusalem to buy back those in Israel who have turned from their sins, says the Lord. And this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit will not leave them and neither will these words I have given you. They will be on your lips and on the lips of your children and your children's children forever. I, the Lord, have spoken. And so, of course, the Redeemer referred to there is Jesus, who's come to earth to Israel, literally, physically, but also figuratively to any Gentiles like us, non-Jewish people who have been grafted into the vine, who have become part of God's people or Israel. So Israel refers, obviously, in the Old Testament to the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. But since Jesus, the New Testament era, it also refers to those who are believing and following God through Jesus Christ. And so um, you also see here the reference to the the new covenant that Jesus has brought uh, and to the Holy Spirit who's come to be with us, to live in us as is promised here. So when you read that, you read on the next verse is the beginning of chapter 60. And then um, we get into uh, the next passage in, here we are, Isaiah 60. and, And of course, this is that, 
famous uh, proclamation, God saying, Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see. Or perhaps you know the more traditional, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is upon you. And, the Lord, and so there's the, the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Then if we go down to verse 16, it says, You will know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, powerful kings, mighty nations. I just want you to see. Here we go. You will know that at last I, the Lord, am your saviour and your redeemer, the mighty one of Israel. And then we see this phrase, I will exchange your bronze for gold. Or the New King James, as we've quoted it for our theme for today, is I will bring gold. I will exchange your bronze for gold. This is God speaking. Your iron for silver, your wood for bronze, your stones for iron. I will make peace your leader and righteousness your ruler. Violence will disappear from your land. The desolation and destruction of war will end. Salvation will surround you like city walls and praise will be on the lips of all who enter there. No longer will you need the sun to shine by day nor the moon to give its light by night for the Lord your God will be your everlasting light. Your God will be your glory. Glory to God. So in other words, God is good. God is glorious. And the future is full of promise for those who follow him. And we see that phrase, I will bring gold or I will exchange your bronze for gold. So as I said, that's God promising and prophesying. And he did that through Jesus. He exchanged our sin for righteousness. He, he took our guilt and gave us innocence. He's exchanged our worries and our fears for, for peace and uh, confidence in life, our doubts for faith and hope and, and love in our heart. And so he takes our ordinary, messed up lives and then he makes them extraordinary and wonderful. And we don't deserve it. We can't make it. Ha- we can't do it all ourselves. Uh, I think Hudson was saying over communion, there's, there's much more limitation on what we do, what we can achieve on our own compared to following God's path. And of course, his path is referred to here, this ever-increasing work of God, continually moving with his glory. And God, with God, uh, you know, things things get better. The light shines brighter to the fullness of day, as the proverb says. Uh, Life, as we follow him, gets richer. It it gets, uh, our faith gets stronger. Uh, we're, 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 as we follow Jesus, getting closer to him, knowing him more and becoming more like him, which is awesome. The whole work of sanctification and holiness in us. And, you know, in the Old Testament, of course, Jerusalem was the place for God, for God's ark, God's uh, temple, God's glory. But now in the New Testament, we are in the new covenant called the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we are the place that God comes to dwell. We are the, the house of his glory. We, we become the temple when we all join together, but each of us carries the Holy Spirit with us. And so we have this opportunity to continually encounter God and his glory. As they had back then, just a sort of a special place, special people, special time of year. But we get 
special times together, but we also have this ongoing opportunity to talk and walk with the Lord. It's amazing. And this is leading to his glory. So this prophecy is progressively being fulfilled throughout history, through church history, until at the end of time, it's going to be completely fulfilled because at the moment we still have the sun. We still turn on lights. We still need some sort of light. But that refers to a time when God's glory, it says there's no need for the sun and the moon anymore. It's just the glory of God. And so that's the era of the new Jerusalem, the new earth, the new heavens. And we look forward to that. And so today, it's a great day to appreciate God's goodness, God's glory, and what he's talking about the future, both just the year to come in 2018, but also the long-term perspective of heaven and where we're really headed in life. Because the decisions we make in our day-to-day living can affect our eternal destinies. And ultimately, and most importantly, that's our decision as to who Jesus is. And that determines where we're going to go when our body passes away, whether it's 92, 102, uh, whenever. Uh, And so God is always looking forward. God here is prophesying and looking and 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 promising stuff for the future. He's not dwelling on the past. In fact, he tells us in another passage in Isaiah, forget the former things. Come on, I'm doing a new thing. And we love this season because we can forget stuff from one year and, uh, and look to the new year and, and flow with what God does in this way because he's always got a promise of better things. But of course, we've got to choose to do that. It's up to us as to whether we look to the future or the past. Because you have to decide. You can look at your, your destiny or your history, your future or your past. But you can't do both at the same time. It's impossible. You can only look one way at one time. So you've got to decide, am I going to be like Lot's wife who looked back and turned into a pillar of salt? Or am I going to be like Abraham who kept looking forward to fulfilling God's call, who followed the the call of God who, who had faith in the future that God had for him. And, um, and of course, when you look back, there's stuff that calls out to us sometimes. If you've been around for a while, there might be some pain and some problems from the past that are best forgotten, but not easily forgotten. And they cry out sometimes. They want attention. They demand that you, you think about them, these pain, this you know, problem, these situations that... Uh, they, they niggle uh, at your mind and, and they want you to kind of dwell on them. And, and of course, when people do that, they just get crippled emotionally. You just end up getting bent and twisted on the inside with unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness. And, and that's just not healthy for yourself, for anyone. And then other people, well, they look back sometimes for another reason because they've, they've got onto the good old days syndrome. You know, this is the, the talk of when it was a simpler time and they're reminiscing and reliving the glory days, the happy memories. And, and the, the problem is there that usually the, the days really weren't any better back then. We just have these rose-coloured glasses that we, you know, get all sentimental about. And, uh, and, uh, and if you could get in a time machine, you'd probably go back there and go, yeah, it's, you know, it's not that good anyway. So there's no point in looking in the past because you're not going there. There's nothing you can do. It's done. It's finished. Where we are moving is into the future. So we're smarter to look where we're heading because that's where we're going to be. And, uh, and of course, if you've, ever, um, if you've ever raced, you'll know that 
you can only really look one way or you get in trouble, whether it's swimming or running or motor racing. Uh, you've got to keep looking forward because as soon as you look over your shoulder, it can throw you off balance, can make you worried about other people and you'll lose the race. John Landy knows about this. I just want to share with you this story which you, you may know of, uh, but it's just a, a, a classic demonstration of the need to keep looking forward. Um, John Landy, as you probably know, is a famous Australian middle distance runner. He's the second man to have ever run under four minutes for the mile. Remember, you've heard him talk about the four-minute mile barrier. Um, in 1954, the first one to do it was Roger Bannister, an Englishman. And then a month later, John Landy also broke the four-minute mile barrier and beat Roger Bannister's world record because they were, you know, obviously setting world record. So then a month after that, there was the Commonwealth Games in Vancouver and there was this showdown between the two that all the athletics, uh, you know, followers were excited about. Uh, highly anticipated these two top runners. And in fact, it was called the Miracle Mile or the Race of the Century. And the press got onto it and it was, it was uh, widely publicised. In fact, when the race was run, it was seen on television by millions but television wasn't as all-encompassing as it is, and that is today. But mainly by radio, they had over 100 million people listening on the radio all around the world, which was massive at the time. And so John Landy was up against Roger Bannister, and they ran the first few laps. They came into the final lap, and John Landy was winning and expected to win the race. He was leading well. But, of course, he's thinking, and if you've raced, you'll know... You're thinking of your competitors. You're wondering, where are they? But you, you've got to be disciplined not to look around. But the, um, the pressure was too much. They entered the final turn. He lost focus and he finally, he looked back over his left shoulder. And of course, as he did, it just threw his stride out a little. And on his right shoulder, Roger Bannister went round and went on and won the race. And um, John Landy later said, I would, have won, I would have won the race if I hadn't looked back, if I hadn't taken my eyes off the goal. It was such a telling moment that they had this amazing photograph of it and then this sculptor rocked up and said, I'm going to make a bronze sculpture of this moment and it still stands today in Vancouver. Thank you. And John Landy quipped... Well, Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt for looking back. I'm probably the only one ever turned into bronze for looking back. But it's not all bad because if you know anything about John Landy, you know that he kept looking to the future. And two years later, he competed at the Australian National Titles, 1956, in order to qualify for the 1956 Olympic Games, which were held in Melbourne. And... At the national titles, he demonstrated one of the most amazing feats of sportsmanship ever seen, which you may know about, in the race. Ron Clark, another Aussie running legend, was accidentally clipped on the heel by another runner, a, a different runner, and he fell down. Landy incredibly stopped, doubled back, and helped his mate get up again. And Ron Clark, who was at the time the junior world record holder, was the favourite to win the race. He had been leading the race. Uh, he got back on his feet. He started running again and Landy got up 
after him because he'd helped him get going and then he started going. John Landy then caught the field and incredibly won the race. And they consider that one of the you know, greatest moments in sporting history. And you can look it up and see YouTube clips of it and all that. Um, and so this time, another sculptor stepped forward, praise the Lord, and took the photo. And he cast a bronze sculpture of the moment when Landy bent down to help uh, Clark get to his feet. And that stands today still at Olympic Park in Melbourne. And of course, John Landy went on. He got bronze at that Olympics as a, the highest place Australian. And he, he went on to become governor of Victoria in the early 2000s. And he's still alive today at 87. So uh, five years to go. I know, I'm sure he's got many more years to go. Um, My point is, we all have a race to run and we've got to run it wisely and well and with tenacity and looking the right way and looking forward, not backwards. So you've got to have to, you know, obviously at this time of year, you think, well, what's 2018 got in store for me? Well, don't just let it come to you fatalistically and go, oh, well, there you go. I got punched drunk from being bashed by life. You know, No, have a think and have a pray and have a plan and say, well, come on, I can prayerfully believe for great things. God is a God of glory. I can exchange my bronze for gold. I can have God's glory on my life. And have a think, what does that look like? That whole passage about the glory of God. And we've been talking about that. In fact, our vision as a church is simply to bring glory to God, to glorify God. That's the overarching statement of, of mission for us all. And what does that look like in your job, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your thought life, in your... Uh, finances, you know, how is this bringing glory to God? How, where is God's glory on this? You can position your life and you can make decisions that will invite God's glory or dispel it. And, and, and so you can go with the flow, as they say, of God's glory, or you can sort of chart your own course and find yourself way offline from His best and from the anointing and touch and glory that He's got for us. And so we can make some smart decisions to think, yeah, what am I doing and saying and thinking and my attitudes to to invite and keep the glory of God flowing? Of course, the number one thing we can believe for and focus on is given to us in Scripture. Because when I say we've got a race to run, it's not just my analogy that I'm coming up with. That's a scriptural reference and a spiritual reality, which you may know from uh, Hebrews chapter 12. And we're told here how to best run our race in Hebrews 12. And maybe it's going to appear on the screen for you. Verse 1 and 2, it says, Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So there's our, our race. How do we do this? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, or the author and perfecter of our faith. So Jesus gives us the faith we need. Faith comes to us. If you don't have the faith, you can, you can build it, acquire it, get it from God. You, faith comes when you attend to his word, as we're told in Romans 10. Jesus is the author of faith. He blesses us with faith. So we can, we, you know, like the, the guy that cried out, I love that honest statement when the guy said to Jesus, it's about Luke 6-ish, I think, and he says, um, oh, I do believe, help my unbelief. I think it's such a great, honest statement. Uh, you don't need a lot of faith that 
you don't have and worry about it. We, we just lean into God and ask and the faith comes and grows. And, that, and, and then with that faith, we, we run and, and win and follow God. We, we walk by faith. We run by faith, not by sight. And so what are we doing? We're just looking to Jesus. And so let me finish with this thought. When we are focused on the new year and our life and our plans, let me encourage you not to think about what I can get, what I can achieve, what I can do. But Jesus, who he is, how I can be closer to him, who I can be as a result, not just what I can do as a result. You know, it's more about a person than a program. It's all about, as you've heard before, a relationship, not a religion. It's not rules and plans and programs. And in our personal life and in our church life, that's always our goal, to build relationship with God and with each other and with people who are disconnected from God and from other people in our world around us so they can be part of God's loving community and family. He's good. He's glorious. And, uh, and, and, and I haven't forgotten the offering. I know you're probably thinking, a pastor who forgets the offering. So we're going to have an offering at the end of the service, which is coming up now. And it's an opportunity for us to, well, he's brought gold to us. What do we bring to him? Obviously, it's our heart. It's not just money. But, but when we do bring our, our offerings, it's representative of our life and our heart. But primarily, as we enter into the new year, let's, let's have a heart for God. Uh, uh, you know, the greatest commandment is love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your body, all your strength, just everything you have. And of course, that's representative of our service for Him, our wit- willingness to witness, our prayer. Our, our giving financially, but, but it starts with our heart. And so I'm going to pray a prayer for us all as we come to a close, as we launch into a new year, and then we'll finish with that. In fact, we're going to sing that glorious song because we're talking about the glory of God. But just come and pray with me now and consider God's glory on your life, how he, He's promised it, how He's bringing it, and how He's moving in your life with His touch, His glory. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.